Bibles, I'd ask you to find Matthew chapter 26. You know, all of us have dealt with failure. All of us. Some of us, the failures have been bigger and some smaller. Some, Some of our failures have come at more critical junctures of life and some at less critical junctures. Some of us have failed in business. Some of us have failed in relationships. Some of us have failed uh, with the law. I, 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 I sometimes feel like I can relate to all of these. Well, not sometimes, every day. I, I've had a failed business, um, had to go bankrupt and took that kind of bankruptcy where you have to pay everything back. And it was odd to be working and trying to pay your bills to live like rent and stuff like, while also paying for some work that had been done. And you, and, you know, it was in the past. It was weird. I've, I've had failed relationships. I, I had an engagement that I blew. Um, I found out you don't tell a girl uh, like 13 days before you're supposed to get married that you don't think it's time to get married. Uh, they tend to get upset about that. Um, I, I failed legally. I'm a, I, I tell my story everywhere because I want people to be encouraged. I'm a convicted felon. Um, felonious vandalism. I had to pay for a police cruiser in South Boston, Virginia, tearing it all to pieces. Um, it was either that or go to jail for a couple of years for several assault charges that I was really guilty of. I was in an elongated legal battle. Um, I was still in the army, and, but I'd come home and acted the fool one weekend. And, uh, and I also had a legal battle going on in the army at the same time that wound up seeing me demoted. And... Um, Lost pay for several months. Um, I, I have failed. And I don't mind telling my story because, especially in Christ, especially in Christ, failure will never be the end of my story. Amen. I may even fail with the last human thing I do, but failure won't be the end of my story. So I think it's important. To face the Lord and tell our stories with earnestness and sincerity, with truth, without pulling any punches, and without caring what anybody else thinks. Now, that's a critical thing. That's a critical thing. You know, uh, my face was front page of the paper. One of the most hurtful things ever happened in my life was my my grandmother says, you embarrass me. Boy, that hurt because she was one of my heroes. But what have, what's happened since then is I met the Lord Jesus, and I found acceptance in him where I found rejection in people. I found forgiveness in him where I only found bitterness and regret with people. So whatever your failure might be, and maybe it's not as big as mine, or maybe it's bigger than mine, maybe it's different than mine, the solution for you and I are actually the exact same. You face it in the Lord You don't run from the Lord and face it. Because if you face it in the Lord, you're going to find a partner in love and forgiveness there. You're going to find somebody who can and will restore you. You're going to find in the Lord Jesus someone who will give you hope. You're going to find in the Lord Jesus somebody who will 
make failure not the end of your story. But if you do not face it in the Lord, it is highly likely you will only face it in yourself or you will face it with people and you will despair. The root of bitterness in the minimum will, 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 uh, will uh, sink into your life, will take root in your life. Or maybe, maybe that sort of thing where you loathe yourself forever because of your failure or you blame it on somebody else and loathe them for the rest of your life. But whatever failures we might face in life, there's no greater failure than to fail with the Lord. I find it encouraging today to look at the story of Peter and Judas. We already know their stories in general. I pray it's one of those mornings where I'm just reminding you of things you already know. We know their stories in general, but maybe the specifics will speak to us. We see one man in Peter who fails miserably and is restored magnificently. And we see another man who fails miserably and his demise is sad and great. So let's jump into the passage. It's a little bit long, but it's worth our time this morning. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, That man, this man, was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he again denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest taking the pieces of silver said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then when... Then was fulfilled all that was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave it, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Father, as we open your word, Father, I pray you open our hearts. We understand that to be under the reading and teaching of the word is a spiritual endeavor, and it needs a spiritual strength. We need illumination. We need revelation. We need a touch from heaven. So God, make this more than a time where we, we pass enduring what's being said. Father, rather than that, speak to our hearts as only you can. 
and make the truth come home to us. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Amen. This morning I want to first look at the failure of Peter. The failure of Peter is really close to me. You know why? Because I like Peter. Peter's got a big mouth. <laughs> you know, I feel like me and Peter could hang out. Pete, Pete and me could be homeboys. We could ride up and down Madison Boulevard yelling out the window at people. So I like Pete. And I like that, I mean, you know, you remember he's the guy that says, I'll never, I'll, I'll never turn my back on you. And, and, and I kind of like that. It's a bold assertion. When they came to Jesus, you know, Peter had to have been somewhere from around Cepho because when they came to Jesus, he pulled out a pocket knife and cut a man. That's my kind of guy. So when I see Peter facing failure, I can relate. Why? Because I can relate to his personality. I can relate to his realness. I can relate to his boldness. But his failure is really critical for us to understand. You see it runs in tandem. The verses right before this are Jesus before Caiaphas in the council. And so they show Jesus' trial, and then they go right to Peter's trial. Jesus passes his trial, you might say, and Peter fails his. Let's look at his three denials very briefly. The first denial finds Peter taken a little bit by surprise. Now, I, I want to say that's where we get caught most of the time. Somebody say amen. Amen. We get took by surprise. We get caught on our heels. Something happens, and we'll say or do something that later on will surprise us ourselves. We go, I can't believe I did that. That's sort of what happens to Peter at first. A girl comes up to him is what it tells us in verse 69. It says, you also were with Jesus. And, and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like that show from the 80s. I don't know what you're talking about, Willis. <laughs> And so it's really interesting right here that what he denies is knowing anything about the topic. That's interesting. How do, you, how do you get out of talking about something? Say, I don't know anything about that. That's what I've been doing all weekend. You know, Tim, how would you feel about the Virginia Cavaliers losing? I didn't get to watch that. I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't get to watch it. I was babysitting. But that's how I can get away from talking about it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. In John's gospel, it's posed as a question rather than a statement. The girl says, hey, you're not one of his disciples, are you? You're not with this guy. And it's easy for Peter to reply, no, I'm not. I'm not with them. He just plays dumb. It's his second denial that begins to take a little bit different shape. He's not caught by surprise at this point. And the scripture tells you another person walks up to him. And she says, this is another servant girl. She says, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. It's a, it's a, it's a point blank accusation. You don't want to find out who your friends are getting in trouble with the law. You don't want to, you know, you, you, you ever really want to find out who you are, lose your license. <laughs> Been there and done that too. You'll find out real quick. Everybody who liked getting a ride don't like giving one. And everybody in the room that has lost their life said, he know what he's talking about, because I do. <laughs> this is not a surprise at this point. This, this man is in trouble now. 
Somebody has engaged him again and here in the, in the vicinity of the gateway, that means the entrance to the area. This, this is right outside where Jesus is being tried. This is right outside where, where people are sort of waiting around to see what's going to happen. The question comes again, and he could have said a simple no, except this time he didn't say a simple no. What he said pretty much was, I don't know who you're talking about. You see the difference? The first time is I don't know what you're talking about. You, you can sort of say, well, I, I don't know what's going on in the courtroom. And now I don't really know what they're doing with Jesus. This second time, he, he says, I don't know that man. This is when the Bible becomes a little bit like a picture they show in court. <laughs> they just back up and say, wait a minute, you were with him here and you were with him there and you were with him over here. It's just a series of pictures. And maybe those folks don't have those pictures, but Peter's memory has those pictures. So he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he says, I don't know who you're talking about. This third time it gets serious. He says he, 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 he proclaimed a curse on himself. Now that doesn't mean he just started saying ugly words at himself. That's not what that means. He didn't start sounding like Yosemite Sam. Sex of and Rizzarat. <laughs> what this means, and this is not like a, a metaphor or simile. This is what it means. When it says he pronounced a curse on himself, what he is basically saying is may God condemn me if I tell a lie. I don't know that man. He invoked the highest language he could to those people. He said, man, let God get me if I'm lying. What would we say around here? If I'm lying, I'm yeah. Everybody knows. You know, guys go out fishing, and they don't got to fish. And, you know, in their mind, it was this long. If I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> ain't, a fish that, ain't that fish that big in all the whole place they was fishing. If I'm lying, I'm dying. But it's more than if I'm lying, I'm dying. He says, let God get me if I'm lying about this. That's big talk, isn't it? <clears throat> so you see in no uncertain terms, Peter's failure is full of denials. And we might can let him off the hook for that first one. We've all been caught unawares. We've all been caught sort of short-sticked, haven't we? Haven't you? You ever been caught off guard and done something or said something you wouldn't normally do or say? I have. But those second and third times, no way. Peter's at this point, we have to surmise, understanding that they're going to do bad stuff to Jesus. And they might do bad stuff to the people who are with him. I think that becomes the crossroads to our faith a lot of times. And as we're looking forward to a week of revival services, we started four Sundays ago. We started by saying the attitude of revival is humility. The action of revival is prayer. The reaction that causes revival is to treasure, to, to know the value of Jesus. Well, I'm here to tell you today that if we don't face our failures, we won't ever catch the winds of revival. And we can, we can name times, and we should name times and feel bad about times where we acted out of character, caught off guard. But we'd better take a look at those times where we're just not obeying the Lord Jesus. We're just not living for the Lord. And we know exactly what we're doing we got areas in our lives where we're just not living for the Lord. We're not living for the Lord in some of our friendships, in some of our relationships. We're not living for the Lord with our finances. We're not living for the Lord with our time. We're not living for the Lord with our commitments. And, and some of this stuff didn't sneak up on us. And so if there's a word for revival for us, we have to face our failures. 
I don't think, I honestly don't think there's anybody in this room who is in so much fear of mortal danger. Like, in other words, nobody in this room is so scared somebody's going to whack you over the head with a stick that you would say, let God condemn me. I don't think anybody in that room is at that place, but a lot of us are at that second level. We have this premeditated separation from Jesus in some areas of our lives. And I want to tell you, it's time for that stuff to come to an end. Amen. It's time for, to let God face us and let him humble us. Yesterday, I, I went to the Run the Race movie. I know some of you guys went and saw it over the weekend. Uh, matter of fact, I ran into the whole Gillum family while I was there. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where just watching this movie, it just really tenderized my heart. Uh, you know, I don't like crying. I really don't. You know, I feel like it's a waste of water that my body needs. <laughs> but about five times in the movie, I'm just sitting there. My wife's trying to hand me a tissue. I go, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I didn't lie. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say, you know, some dust in my nose. <laughs> we get to this place. Where we're tender. And that's where God's trying to work with you. He's trying to work with you where you're tender. Why? Because he wants us to be released from guilt and shame. And as a man who's failed a lot, I can tell you that guilt and shame have a heavy weight. You know it too. And so God wants us to face it. He wants us to look at the areas of our life and say, where am I not being the man or the woman or the boy or the girl that God wants me to be. Peter fails by denying Jesus. I want to look at that, that, that failure for just a little bit. I want to take a moment to soak in it. He, repeated, he repeatedly and solemnly and vehemently denied the Lord Jesus. He had a position of leadership with the disciples and he set a bad example for them. Peter denied Jesus despite having warning and prediction that this very thing would happen in his life. And despite his personal revolve, he says, even if everybody falls away, I never would. In spite of that personal resolve, he failed Jesus. Two things stand out to me. Number one, number one thing that stands out to me was he lost his confidence in Jesus. Anybody ever been there? It's not, it's not that you stop believing in him. You stop believing him to the degree you used to believe in him. Let me give you an illustration. You guys are familiar with the story of, 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 of um, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. I bring it up a lot because their life story, their friendship with Jesus informs me a lot. You know, Martha comes out to meet Jesus, right? After Lazarus had died and she says, you know, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here, you see, you hear in her words this, this root of, 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 of some sort of bitterness, of unbelief. It's grabbing hold to her. If you had been here, Jesus, she's got one of these moments where she's lost a little bit of confidence in him. She's lost confidence in their friendship. All of you guys, myself included, we have places in our life where we're desperately disappointed that God didn't do what we wanted him to do. We've been there. 
And, and I think Peter's in no different place. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus tell a storm to sit down and hush up. They've seen him cleanse leprosy, cast out demons, raise the dead. Why is he sitting in here and letting these people do this? So he's losing confidence. We've all been there. We've all been there where we wonder why God won't do like we think he ought to do. So I can relate. So he failed. His his failure happened because he began to lose confidence in Jesus. Secondly, Peter had too much confidence in himself. We all all know the story. Uh, You know, I I used to play a lot of sports. um, And uh, there is often a very fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I, I crossed it a lot. I love confidence. Amen. Don't you love confidence? Don't you like feeling like you know who you are and you know what you're doing and you're just going to go do it? I like that feeling. Sadly, I, I honestly have, especially in the realm of sports, I have liked arrogance. You know, especially when I played football, I'd feel like I'd have to get my head sort of psyched up so I could take the pain, you know, because running, running as fast as you can into each other is abnormal. I don't know if you know that. If you don't know what's abnormal, when y'all go to Sunday school in a few minutes, just everybody take turns jumping up and running into each other. I can relate to, to Peter's confidence. And, and after walking with Jesus for a while and seeing the things he saw, I imagine some of it was arrogance. The problem is, the problem is, confidence in self will fail you when self fails. And so here we see Peter, he's, he's failed. He, he says, hey, I'll never leave you. I, I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be there to the bitter end. He wasn't the only one that said that. It says in the scriptures that the other disciples joined in. Even in the story in John 11, uh, doubting Thomas, as we call him, he says, Jesus, we'll go back to Jerusalem with you, even if they kill us all. Always makes me think of Eeyore. Let's go with Jesus, even if we die. You ever had too much confidence in yourself? You ever said, I got this, and then the next thing you know, it got you? I caught a bumblebee yesterday. I was playing with some small children. Kids, wait a minute. I don't know if I should even tell this story with kids in here. Kids, make sure you know what you're grabbing hold to. There are certain kinds of bumblebees that do not have a stinger, okay? But I catch bumblebees. Little kids are always fascinated by that. So one was flying around the playground, and... I grabbed him, and I started singing that song. I got a baby bumblebee, you know. And, he, and all the kids are like, let me see, let me see. And I stick it up to the ear, you know. And, you know, they're just fascinated, man. This is Christmas time. You know, they were excited. After that, I let him go and all that stuff. And after that, we saw one of those brown wasps. And one of the little boys, he, he's free. That's what he told me. He's free. I said, how old are you? I'm free. He said, Mr. Tim, Mr. Tim, catch that bumblebee. I lost confidence in myself. I said, no, we, 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 we don't catch those. Me will. No, you won't. Confidence and then the sting, right? 
Anybody ever been there besides me? Confidence than the sting? Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And we find ourselves doing this and doing that. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, the spirit indeed is willing, but what church? The flesh is weak. Somebody here knew that verse. The spirit indeed is willing, but what church? Flesh is weak. If we're going to have a revival at Teresa Baptist Church, we're going to have to face our failures and admit that sometimes there's areas of our lives we've lost confidence in Jesus. And we need to bring those areas of losing confidence in Jesus to his feet. I love the story of John the Baptist as he's in jail. He sends some of his disciples to say, hey, Jesus, I'm in jail. Are you sure you're the real deal? Where do you take your doubts? You take them to the source. And then some of us have been a little too confident in ourselves. And we need to come to Jesus. Believers, I'm here to tell you, and I made a short list. We need humble living. We need a watchful life. And we need abiding in Christ. That is our pathway to stay the course. Humble living, a watchful life, and abiding in Christ. But even if we do all those things to the best of our abilities, we will face failure. You're you're doing your best to walk with Jesus. You will face failure. I've got good news for you. Jesus restores his disciples when we fail. Somebody say amen. 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 Somebody sitting in this room today and you got a thing in your life you can never forgive you of. You bring it to the blood of Jesus. God will forgive you. And his forgiveness is bigger than yours. Amen. You got mistakes. You got regrets. You got bitterness. Give them up to the Lord. Let him touch your heart. You will fail. The good news is Jesus restores us when we fail. Look at this passage in John 21 verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Isn't it interesting that Peter denies him three times and the Lord gives him a chance to bring it back three times? Do you know sometimes forgiveness with God is also always under the blood just like that the moment you come with a sincere heart is just like that but you know sometimes forgiving yourself is a real process yes. and some, some of the things that are holding back revival among the people of God is the heaviness of failure, bitterness and regret and as many times as many times if we have ever failed the Lord he will give us that many more times to praise him somebody say amen amen Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied him. Remember, remember those three words I used? He denied him publicly, he denied him solemnly, and he denied him vehemently. So what does Jesus do? He questions him three times. Do you love me? And he actually does it in two different ways. Do you phileo me? Do you phileo me? Do you agapeo me? Do you love me like a brother? Do you love me like a brother? Do you love me with everything you got? Peter says, you already know this story. (laughs) Peter's done with overconfidence. You know the story. I'm a man of flesh and blood. My feet are made of clay and all I have to give you is the mess that is me. Would you see the spirit of God touch the people of God if they would just come to him with that humble confession? 
I am just a man made of flesh and blood with feet of clay. You know the mess that I am, and I give you all of me. Amen. God in his goodness, Christ in his kindness. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. He's done with big talk. So there's the story of Peter. Secondly, let's look at the story of Judas. You'll be happy to know that I don't even want to spend as much time in this one. It brings me down, y'all. Amen. It brings me down. I think we should frame this with a little understanding for Judas. You can read all sorts of commentaries. You can. And they have all sorts of opinions and thoughts. Amen. Wise people who have communed with God, who've taken years of Hebrew and Greek, Chaldean, Latin, people who have studied philosophy, anthropology, sociology, and they've come to the scriptures and they've gotten down on their knees and said, God, show us what this means. There is a wealth of opinions about Judas. Some just say he's a dirty, rotten scoundrel. We know in the minimum he was a thief. We know in the minimum he wanted to control the group by controlling the pocketbook. That's in the scripture. But can I just, can I give him a break this morning and tell you maybe a different side of the story? Maybe, maybe Judas had seen the same things Peter had seen. Somebody say amen. Amen. They, he had seen Jesus walk on water. He had seen Jesus tell a storm to sit down and hush up. He had seen Jesus cast out demons, cure leprosy, raise the dead. He'd seen the same stuff. Church, say amen. Amen. And perhaps, perhaps, he says, maybe if we push Jesus to the edge of the envelope, he will knock these rascal Romans out. And set our religious leaders straight. Maybe he thought with human cunning he could outdo godly sovereignty. Can we give him that break this morning? You go read as many commentaries as I did in the last couple weeks. You'll see there's a wealth of opinions. I'm just giving you one more. We know he fails. And I'm not trying to give us the benefit of the doubt so we'll feel better about Judas. I'm just saying I identify with Judas too. Or many times I feel like I'm going to push something to the place where something's got to happen. And really that's just another way of saying you don't trust God in the moment. You ever done that? You ever failed to wait on the Lord and push forward with your plan, your agenda, thinking, man, if I do this, God will catch up with me. I'm not trying to let Judas off the hook. I'm saying I kind of get it. I might be the only one in the room that will say it out loud, but I got a feeling some of y'all get it too. So let's look at Judas' story. We know from the scriptures we just read a few moments ago, the story pivots like this. When does the story pivot? Peter denies Jesus. The council say, let's send him to Pilate. Judas says they're sending him to Pilate. Oh my goodness. He felt bad. He says, I didn't know it would go this far. I thought we could straighten our crowd out. I'm giving him that benefit of the doubt. This has gotten out of hand. I'll never forget calling a debt collector one time. They says, well, if you, you know, they called me. They called me rather. I was talking to them. They says, well, if you don't answer this, we're going to summons you for court. I said, send your stinking summons. They did. <laughs> you know, you can get in trouble and have to pay your lawyer fees for representing you and theirs too. Did y'all know that? 
I learned that the hard way. I was being a tough guy. Yes, tell them to send the summons. I don't care. Subpoena me. <laughs> and then when they come and get your behind, you say, um, see, what had happened was too late. As the song says, too late to apologize. It's too late now. Judas, it's too late. This has gotten out of control. Judas immediately, he, he feels remorse. He's betrayed the Lord Jesus and he doesn't like it. So what does he do? First thing he does, he feels bad. <laughs> Second thing he does, wait a minute, let's pause. Mini sermon. You know the difference between godly guilt and godless guilt? Godly guilt takes it to Jesus and finds repentance, repentance, repentance and restoration. Godless guilt just runs around feeling bad and making your life and other people's lives miserable. This man has godless remorse. How do I know? Look at the evidence. First thing he does, he says, I, you know, I betrayed innocent blood. Take the money back. So Judas feels remorse and Judas sought repayment. And we read the story. Those guys said, we don't want that money. It's blood money. And we don't care how you feel. Brother, that's on you. That's the Tim Bowes paraphrase. That's what 27.4 tells us. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. We don't care, buddy. It's your problem. So he throws the money in the floor. They said, we don't want the money. So what does Judas do next? This is where the story turns really sad, doesn't it, church? He goes out and kills himself. I heard a preacher say one time, that's what he should have done. I thought that was a very insensitive thing to do. I felt like that fellow hadn't made many big, big mistakes in his life. He had never been at that place where he felt like he was better than I'd never been born. I sort of feel for Judas. I'm not saying the man was right. Say amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. I'm not saying he made the right decision. Say amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. But I can feel his feelings. Can anybody else? I can feel his feelings. Was it an impulsive act? Was it an act of, of despair? I don't know. I know this. I know he feels terrible. And I know he doesn't take it to the Lord. And I think that's the difference. And I think that could be a key to our revival. You can walk around feeling bad all you want to. Or you can take it to the Lord. I felt bad before. Anybody else ever felt bad? Anybody besides me? Maybe five of us. <laughs> We're going to get y'all in touch with your emotions. <laughs> did Peter feel bad? Amen, he did. He took it to the Lord. Did Judas feel bad? Yep, he didn't take it to the Lord. In closing, or close to closing, ain't no need to lie. I want us to see that G Judas took his confession to men, and they had no pity. Not only did they not have pity, these men had no ability to restore him. They couldn't make it right between Judas and God. It was between God and Judas. And worse than that, worse than taking his remorse and his repayment to men is he didn't take it to God. Judas did not take his pain to Jesus. He took it upon himself. I know it's strange what I'm getting ready to do, but let me show you guys a quote from Adolf Hitler. 
A quote from Adolf... Ah. I freed Germany from the stupid and degrading fallacies of conscience, morality. We will train young people before whom the whole world will tremble. I want young people capable of violence, imperious, relentless, and cruel. Speaking of the Hitler youth, his goal was to produce a people without feeling. You know, that's one of the saddest things that could ever happen to us. You know that? One of the saddest things that we become people without feeling. And a lot of times when God's touching our hearts, we want to become imperious. We want to come to that place where nothing makes me feel more bad than I want to feel. And I'm always searching for something to make me feel better than I did. What God wants us to do is to face our lives and to face him. If we face him and our failures, we can find restoration. If we face him, if we don't face him, we're only left facing ourselves, And we'll find some way to justify our failure. Or we'll face, face others. And we'll find some way to only make it right in their sight if we can. But when we face God, all our excuses are stripped away. And there we stand in the face of God. Except this, unlike self and unlike others, God will not only... Face it in truth and honesty. He will make it right and he will set you on a new path. Amen. So we left church with a tale of contrast. The first contrast is this. Peter's denial came when he was caught off guard at first. But Judas's betrayal was planned. The second contrast is this. Peter intended to be loyal but was weak. Judas planned betrayal and accepted profit. The third betrayal was this. Judas felt sorry. Peter repented. It's a big difference in those. Feeling sorry and turning away from something is two hugely different things. Judas took his sin upon himself. Peter received restoration from Jesus. Church, if we're going to have revival, the attitude of revival will have to be humility. The action of revival will have to be prayer. The thing that we'll, that we'll react to to give us revival, uh, revival is the, the value of Jesus. Just seeing the treasure that is Jesus. And the mess we're going to have to wade to on the way to revival is our sin and our failure. Will you be like Judas or will you be like Peter? Both men failed. Both men failed, church. Look at your name and say, both men failed. Both men failed. Now help me preach. Tell your neighbor, one man was restored. One man now I know we got varying degrees of, of temperament and pride in this room. I've been just as plain and honest with y'all as I possibly know how to be. Did I stand up here and confess to y'all of my failure? Did I? Yes. But I told you failure is not today the end of my story and it won't even be the end of my life story. I love Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us draw near to the throne. Let's come, let's come to the one who readily dishes out unmerited favor. And let's expect, let's expect unmerited favor. Amen. You know, mercy is not getting what you 
which you obviously deserve. It's justice held back in kindness. Grace is getting what you obviously don't deserve. It's favor pushed forward on your account. This verse tells us to come to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You ever failed? Have you been failing lately? Have you been being the husband or the wife that the scriptures bade you to be? Have you been being the disciple that Jesus bade you to be? Have you been being the mommy or the daddy? Have you been being the son or the daughter that that God called you to be? If we're going to have revival here, Teresa Baptist Church, we are going to have to be humble people of prayer who look at the treasure of Jesus and face ourselves. Amen. And if you only face you, you'll find some way to feel good about you. And if you only face others, you'll pick people you can feel better about yourself than you do about them. But if you face Jesus, you see a holy God who is kind and good and just. And compared to him, we're none of those things. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to face ourselves and face Jesus. Are you living the life that the scriptures call out to live? Are, Are you even living the life of a church member that you agreed to live when you joined this local church? Are you kind? Do you, I mean, do you tithe? Are you involved? Do you serve? Are you part of things? If we're really going to get revival, the Spirit of God is just going to have to touch us. And it's going to be so painful. So I've had 17 knee surgeries. I was playing with some kids in the grass yesterday, and every move reminded me of several of those surgeries. The best surgery I've ever had in my life was when God ripped out that heart of stone and implanted in me a heart of flesh and caused me to feel him and to see things. The world even tasted different after God got a hold of me. And it was so hard and it was so painful and it was so good. It's so good to walk with God. It's so good, you could write my sins across the sky with one of those airplanes, and I don't care. I don't care because I know who I am in Jesus, and that's so free in church. Amen. People bring up to me all the time, won't you, won't you the guy did all that mess and say, I bought Yep. I'm totally ashamed, totally disgraceful. God loves me. Ain't God good? Amen. You ready to face Jesus, Teresa Baptist Church? I like the old hymn. Do you know him today? What's it say? Do not turn him away. I, I like how we're singing Amazing Grace. You ever thought about that line that says, Grace that taught my heart to? And grace did what else? My fears relieved. Do you know to come to a place of godly fear, godly remorse, Godly sorrow, godly sorrow, that is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Church, over the next few days, let's don't run from that, but when he sends that, let's run to him. Amen. Do you know him today? Have you ever submitted your life to the living God? I'm flesh and bones, and my feet are made of clay. You see the mess, it's me, take me as I am. And God help me, don't leave me like that. Have you ever come and believed on the blood of Jesus to forgive you of your sins and the resurrection of Jesus to give you life? He downloads it to us by faith and then we come with our lives. Have you done that? How about you believers? What business do you need to do with the Lord Jesus this morning? 
Some of you guys need really practical things. You've withheld yourself from the waters of baptism. Be obedient to the Lord Jesus. Some of you got issues of your discipleship you need to get straight. Your giving, your attendance. Some of you guys uh, need to join this church. The Holy Spirit wants you to be committed, a committed servant here. Believers, there's tons of business, and it's all very personal. Some of you guys have been hanging on in your marriage, but you hadn't been hanging out with Jesus in it. Some of you guys are dragging your kids to a thousand hobbies, but you're not raising them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I could go on and on. I trust the Holy Spirit to be real personal this morning. If we're going to get to revival, we need humility, prayer. We need to respond to Jesus, and we need to face him with our failures. As we stand and sing our hymn of invitation, I trust the Holy Spirit to do what only he can. <laughs> Father, move in our midst. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Wildfire come across person's couch. In Jesus we pray. Amen.